You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. Hello there, everybody, and welcome back to Circling Seattle Sports on Converge Media. Charles Hamaker, as always, joined to you by Bell Garcia. Whoa. Um, <laughs> wow. There is a good amount of stuff to go over. NFL draft happened. Um, and people are okay with the Seahawks Hall so far. Yeah. Uh, Mariners had a kind of on and off uh, road trip down to Florida. Mm-hmm. The Storm played their last preseason game. And the roster cuts are sort of coming. We'll get to that. Uh, the Kraken ended their inaugural season. The Rain ended their, well, Challenge Cup group play and their started their NWSL regular season. Uh, the Sounders have played leg one of the CONCACAF Champions League final. Uh, and the Seawolves continue to be in the MLR Western Conference hunt. So with that all being said, there's a ton of stuff to go over. We're going to try to get through it all, uh, starting off with our Seattle Seahawks here in the NFL draft. And we will go over to Bell Garcia for that, Bell. Yeah. Uh, how did it all go down? There were no surprises with the number nine pick, surprisingly. <laughs> um, they did keep their number nine pick and they drafted Mississippi State offensive tackle Charles Cross. Um, just a couple of things on cross here he was first team all conference in 2021 he's projected to become a good longtime starter at either tackle position but john schneider has said that he will start at left tackle so moving on here to round two for the number 40 pick boy mafe from minnesota third team all conference in 2021 traits and toughness to develop into an above average starter as a 4-3 defensive end at number 41, they selected running back Kenneth Walker from Michigan State. He's first team All-American, top running back of the year in 2021, can handle RB1 workload but needs work as a third down option. In round three for number 72, offensive tackle Abraham Lucas from Washington State, first team All-Pac-12 in 2021, scheme limited but has eventual starting potential. At number 109 in the round in round four, cornerback Kobe Bryant. Since from Cincinnati, I know, interesting name there. <laughs> um, winner of Jim Thorpe Award as nation's top defensive back, second team All-American, projected to become a CB2, CB3. At round number five, number 153, corner Tariq Woolen, UTSA, honorable mention all-conference in 2021, has rare measurables and potential to play all over, viewed as raw prospect. And at number 158 in the fifth round, Defensive end Tyreek Smith from Ohio State. Second team all-conference in 2021. Flashes to be able to become rotational defensive end. And now we hit round seven here. Number 229 wide receiver Bo Melton from Rutgers. Was Rutgers top pass catcher in 2021. Viewed as a depth wide receiver. And ending it here at number 233 wide receiver Derek Young from Lenore Ryan University. Also... Sorry about that. <laughs> All South Atlantic Conference honors in 2021 viewed as a raw prospect. And we do have a list of undrafted free agents here as well. QB Levi Willis, Shamarius Gilmore, John Mitchell, Josh Anajua. And I'm saying that wrong, I think. <laughs> Matthew Gattel, Bubba Bolden, Joey Blunt, Deontay Williams, and a few rookie minicamp tryout invitees not reported as a UDFA signing. Caleb Ellaby, Sin- Sincere McCormick, Tyree Stedman, Elijah Jones, and Race Porter. What are your thoughts or how would you rate the draft in the Seahawks picks overall? So I know that NFL.com gave it a C plus. Now, this was really interesting because I read the stat about these, like I think it was the success rate or the draft rate. Mm-hmm. 
of the Seahawks when it came to like those primary positions, you know, skill positions, so to say. Um, and the Seahawks really had avoided stuff like that in the, the earlier rounds of the draft. Now, obviously, when when that number nine pick came around, Evan Neal had come off the board. So my pick was off the board. Um, I was like, either it's Evan Neal. I mean, sorry, it's Charles Cross or they're going to reach and yeah. take Malik Willis. Willis was not the choice. Seattle stayed away from cornerback until obviously we see here with the um, rookie camp invitees and the undrafted free agents. Um how I would look at this, I would say there. I would. I want to look at like one con and one pro at this. Mm-hmm. I think one pro, you got a lot of guys with a lot of talent all across the board. I mean, you talk about Kobe Bryant there, a guy that you know you read it won the Jim Thorpe <laughs> yeah. Award for the nation's top defensive back, and he played on a team at Cincinnati with Sauce Gardner, who was widely you know regarded as the yes. best cornerback in the draft. Yes. Right. So I mean that seems like almost an underrated pick itself. Charles Cross seems like a guy that's going to be able to step in and start from day one. Uh, Abraham Lucas might be a guy that can surprise and start at the other tackle spot. I know that we've talked about Jake Curran at the other right at the right tackle spot, but Lucas might be a guy that was even talked about going in the first round. Um, Con, I know that there's been talk about the injuries to the running back room. You know, with Chris Carson and Rashad yes. Penny, and people want more of a a guy that can stay healthy, you know, and that's where Kenneth Walker comes into play. And I understand that, but I think that using a pick like that, what was it? Second, was that second round? Yeah, that was second round number 41. Yeah. I don't know fully about using a second round pick on a running back when you've, you've done that in the, in the last few years already, you would like to have a vote of confidence from Chris Carson or well, I mean, do we even have any, I haven't heard anything about Chris Carson and, few weeks i don't think or months no yeah so one how healthy is chris carson and two you know what is this telling me about rashad penny who is already on you know you've got three guys here how often does a an nfl team have three at minimum say above average to good running backs in one roster at all that hardly happens and usually if it does happen they don't stay for very long so Mm -hmm. i'm wondering if you're accounting for some am i reaching here and saying you might be accounting for someone heading out or are you just trying to take talent at a spot where Pete Carroll, you know, the run the ball philosophy heavy, and all yeah. that. People have said that they're stocking up talent around Drew Locke. You know, I mean, you've got the wide receivers, obviously. You've got the offensive tackles now on that offensive line. Noah Fant comes back to mm-hmm. join him. Are you just putting talent around Drew Locke? Because obviously I think that's what it is. Since I would you say so. Yeah. You didn't draft Malik Willis, right. Desmond Ritter. You you. And, and I think there's even a quote we have later on here that talks about the quarterback situation. So obviously I think, I think that kind of answers it. I think we're dug in at quarterback, but you know, overall, if you're going to ask me to, to give an opinion on the draft, I would say, I would say it's a, it's a, it's a good start. Obviously none of these guys have played an NFL down yet, mm-hmm. so I don't know, but I think, I think this is a good haul and I'm interested to see how I can't put out a final, I can't say, Oh, this was a okay. bad draft. Yeah. I can never say that until maybe a few years down the line. Yeah. Right. So I'm going to say it's, it's good on, it's good on paper. Okay. It's good on paper. I would That's say. That's good. Sounds good. What about you? What do you think? I would agree. Um, I think not trading that number nine and just going with that offensive talk, tackle option was a good option. Um, I was surprised by the corner pickups just because I know we've mentioned how they are pretty stacked in that position, but interested to see who they go f- with moving forward for sure. Well, and I want to, I want to touch on that because we talked about that, right. Mm-hmm. But also I wonder 
if it might be a situation like last season where the team signed Akella Witherspoon away from the 49ers yeah. and then he got traded before the season even really began. Okay. Um, and a Trey Brown kind of emerged. So I wonder if it's a situation where it's this whole compete mentality where, sure. you know, you draft these young guys, you've got some guys like an Artie Burns, uh, Sidney Jones, even as he's a Husky, I don't want to say it, but who might be, Hey, if the young guys play well, sorry, yeah, they're going to sure. be one, have more potential and have more upside because they're younger and they're starting their career, but two, they're going to be cheaper because they're on their rookie contracts. Yes. So I, I wonder if that factors into the whole compete mentality. It'll be interesting to see what the final roster is once the season does get started. And of course we will make sure to update you guys on that. Um, moving on to some team news here. On May 1st, it was announced that the, t- the team would decline the fifth-year option for defensive end LJ Collier. The option would have been worth $11.5 million. Also, the team reportedly happy with quarterback situation, as you said. Pete Carroll says, we're really happy with the guys we've got to see them battle, and we'll see what happens. So it does look like they're pretty confident with that Drew Locke pick and 100% decided on him moving forward yeah and i know they talked about you know the competition with geno smith but if i have to be on the drew lock train yeah he's younger than geno smith and the reports have always the reports i've read about him from denver have been hey this is a guy that was winning the battle in camp i think when they had uh, teddy bridgewater mm-hmm. if you remember that yeah. when he was in denver uh, he was winning in camp winning in camp just looked better and then people were the the denver media was surprised when Teddy B got the start. Right. So I'm wondering how much of its situation, because hey, in, in any job, really, if you're not succeeding in one position, sometimes you just need a fresh start, right? Yeah. So I wonder how much of that is situation, maybe scheme wise, you know, because we've seen guys say like the Vikings a few years ago with Case Keenum. Case Keenum by no means is a good quarterback. It's an average starter. I mean, average backup, sure. But because of, I mean, you look at what, Stefan Diggs, Delvin Cook, their yeah. offensive line, Kyle Rudolph, and their defense as well. You know, you put a good supporting cast around somebody that's, you know, average to above average, they can succeed. So I'm just wondering, hey, man, if we if we get to like midseason, Drew Locke's playing good. I don't need him to be, I don't, I don't <laughs> need him great. to be great. <laughs> if he's above average to good, mm-hmm. it's more than I can ask for, really, because yeah. I'm coming into this, I'm not expecting much. I'm really not expecting much. So, Hey. How many wins do you see? Uh, I know that's a tough question, but I'm really um, curious. I would like at least one more than this past season. Okay. We'll go with eight. Yeah. But um, I, I don't, you know, again, quarterback play in this league is so important. I mean, you look at the teams that have been to the Super Bowl in the past few years, you know, what with the Bengals and the and the, uh, the Rams, especially as Matthew mm-hmm. Stafford, Joe Burrow last year. Uh, what was it, the Chiefs and the Buccaneers with Tom Brady and mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes, all the top teams, I mean, the Packers with Aaron Rodgers, you know, the Ravens have struggled with um, Lamar. Lamar Jackson, but they haven't given him, to be fair enough, of a supporting cast. Yeah. So you're going to need a guy. You're going to need a franchise guy. And I'm really interested to see how much of that Drew Locke will be supported by what's in place for him. So I, I would like to say go well it's I, it would be like eight and eight but now it's eight and nine because of the, the one a game yeah one extra so i would like to say eight i don't know about you but i would like to have more one more than last year that would be i think a good starting goal for sure um 
Moving on here on the second, DK believes that he will stay in Seattle. Seahawks wide out confident about agreeing to a need a new deal, saying we're going to get something done. So that's good news. Of course, we would love to keep DK here and he's been all up behind Drew, Drew Locke. So that's definitely good news. Moving on to league news here on April 26, running back Melvin Gordon re-signed with the Denver Broncos, one year up to $5 million contract. And they are comparing the running back duo in Denver to Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon from Green Bay. It's Remind kind me, of interesting. Who's, who's the other running back in Denver? Javante Williams. See, I saw a lot about Javante Williams, you know, a lot of talk about him, but I didn't really see much production from him. So he I think was backup for Melvin Gordon. Mel- Melvin Gordon did get injured, I think. Oh, in yeah. Season. Yeah. And Javante, I think. I think Williams is out of UNC. I could be North Carolina. I don't know. I think Aaron Jones is a guy who's like a top 15 guy in the league. And then A.J. Dillon is a guy who's got a lot of use as his backup. I'm not saying he's like starter capable, but he definitely fills that role in as a solid one-two punch. So I don't know if you can compare that, you know. I thought that was kind of interesting, though, considering that we were run heavy in Seattle and then... Wilson left Seattle, go to Denver, and then they have a, a one-two punch running back system that they think is great. So might fall into that same play scheme. <laughs> um, we'll see what happens. On the 27th, Arizona Cardinals picked up Kyler Murray's fifth-year option that locks him in under contract through the 2023 season. On the 28th, during the draft, the Titans traded wide, rec- wide receiver A.J. Brown to the Philadelphia Eagles. Brown was reportedly shocked by the trades, trade, letting fans know that he wanted to stay. However, I did see a video of him working out with Jalen Hurts, I think, a week prior to the trade. Yes. So who knows how surprised he was by that. Um, are there any reports that he asked? traded not that i've seen i know that he was saying he wanted to say that he he was talking about how a deal with the titans was closer than it appeared um i don't know what to believe my trust has been broken ever since the russell wilson deal because then bobby wagner talked about it uh, a few weeks ago on the i think it was a dan patrick show or Mm -hmm. whatever where he said how russell came to him and said hey how do you feel about denver (laughs) <laughs> and it, like the days after after that uh, uh, you know the days leading up to that trade mm-hmm. you know Pete Carroll John Schneider Russell Wilson all said the quarterback's not going anywhere effectively so my trust is broken I don't know about you yeah. I don't know what to believe anymore we just don't know how transparent people are being and that's kind of tough this season <laughs> it's been a tough off season for sure um, on May 2nd, DeAndre Hopkins has been suspended. The Cardinals wide receiver suspended six games for violating NFL's PD policy. Now, does this suspension begin in the preseason or no, regular it's going to be all regular season games. So tough blow for the Cardinals there. Um, of course, they still have Kyler Murray, but Kyler Murray did have to play without DeAndre Hopkins for a few games last season. And it looks at, like that'll continue moving on to this season. Um and that about ties all us up, ties us all up for the Seahawks. So I'm going to go ahead and send it over to you for the Mariners. Yeah. So we head down to Florida, where the Mariners headed down to Tampa Bay and then Miami to take on the Rays and the Marlins. Not, I know, I know. Typically, when you think about going down to, my, you know, Florida in general, it's typically a, a good time. Right? Sunshine. Sunshine <laughs> and all that. Not, not, not really the case for our Mariners here. As we look at the Rays series starting on April 26th at Tampa Bay, an eight to four win, so a solid start to the to the road trip in a way, right? 
player of the game, second baseman Adam Adam Frazier going one for three with one run, three RBIs, and a walk at that leadoff spot. April 27th at the Rays, though, a two to three loss. Player of the game, shortstop J.P. Crawford going one for four with one run and an RBI. And then April 28th at the Rays, losing the series uh, with that one to two loss. Player of the game, defense uh, designated hitter Eugenio Suarez going one for four with an RBI. So a tough tough way to lose that series to the Rays you know it's the Rays are always the team in recent years that compete and are you know in the playoffs and it's amazing because they're a playoff team but they hardly draw in Tampa Bay but that's because of their uh, stadium situation which is a whole other topic so tough there you got a rematch of them at home this upcoming week mm-hmm. but they travel down to Miami to take on the Marlins in Miami for the first time since I think it was 2018 um Starting on April 29th at the Marlins on six to eight loss, player of the game, right fielder Jared Kelnick going one for three with two runs and RBI and a walk. April 30th at the Marlins, uh, a one to three loss, player of the game, right fielder Dylan Moore going one for one with one run and RBI and a walk. And then May 1st at the Marlins, salvaging that series, not getting swept, avoiding that sweep with a seven to three win. This is a Miami team that I think was on a seven game win streak. They were, yeah. Um, And I think the Mariners were going on four games or something. Three games. I think the three game losing streak. Um, So they were able to pull that out there. Uh, Play the game number one, center fielder Julio Rodriguez going three for four with a run and three RBIs. Julio hitting his first major league homer with a 450-foot bomb. Um, And then the second player of the game, starting pitcher Logan Gilbert, going 5.2 innings with three hits allowed, one run, one earned run, four walks, and five strikeouts. A .64 ERA uh, by Logan is the lowest by a Mariners pitcher through his first five starts in franchise history. So Logan, uh, a young starter there who just joined the team last year in the big leagues, uh, continuing to have a great start to 2022. And it's really interesting there. You know, I know that you highlighted a certain somebody in there um, for start of the week, but that's obviously for the last segment of the show. Yes. But you look at that May 1st game, and I want to touch on this really briefly. You want to look at the future of the franchise? Julio Rodriguez and Logan Gilbert. Two guys, I mean, that's, you know, you want to think about the future of this Mariners ball club. Obviously, there's a lot of talk about this year's team and this year's Mm -hmm. ball club. But winning, you know, you don't win it all in one year and then you're done. Right. You've got year. There's years and years to compete, and there's years to grow. Just like in life, you don't do a really good in one year, and then you're all done with everything. <laughs> you, you retire. No, that's not how that works. So you know, you obviously want to see those two guys and Gilbert and Rodriguez continue to be, I mean, almost stalwarts of the the franchise. Just yeah. be guys that are really big cornerstones, you know, for the organization. And to have a guy like Logan Gilbert, who, you know, through last season had a really good fastball, an overpowering fastball, a guy that towers at like a six five frame but needed to work on his off-speed and has been able to work on his off-speed stuff, um, has been really sort of a workhorse. I think he's gone at least five innings in every single start he's had this year. Um, and to keep his ERA down and really keep his team in ball games, he's he's having a great, a great start of the year. And to have him be the number two starter in the rotation, I think right behind Robbie Ray says mm-hmm. a lot to maybe where the Mariners view him. Uh, do you have any thoughts on the past week and in, in, in terms of games or maybe Julio? Or do you want to I, save that part of I'm Julio? I'm going to save that part of Julio, but I am just very proud to see the team. I mean, these, like you said, these young guys really just coming out and performing. And I think that 
just like segues in perfectly to your player of the week. Cause if you want to continue talking about Logan here and all of his statistics, um, I'll let you go ahead first with the player of the week here. Yeah. So we'll jump into Mariners players of the week here. And I mean, set it up <laughs> perfectly <obvious>. here. Uh, <laughs> talking about Logan Gilbert, a guy that, you know, continues to light up the season over the past seven days, starting in two games, recording two wins and 11.1 innings pitched only five hits allowed over 11 innings. That's pretty solid. Uh, one earned run on a homer, uh, seven walks. So that's something, I mean, if you want to nitpick and you want to be like, Hey, something to work on, maybe work on the walks a little bit, but again, he's, he's young. And I think his, his play has kind of overshadowed any sort of an mm-hmm. issue with, with the walks there. But if there's something you want to improve, there's the walks, uh, 12 strikeouts, a 9.5 strikeouts per nine innings, um, and a 0.79 ERA over those two games. So, I mean, I, I think that, you know, I was, I still have concerns about the rotation because, I mean, Marco Gonzalez who's starting uh, to, later today, actually, you know, got a line drive to his wrist and somehow magically will be making his start today and not being able to miss any of his starts. Uh, Marco has had issues with command so far this season. Matt Brash has had some solid starts, but I think teams are starting to figure him out. Um, and I was kind of clamoring for a fifth starter for the Mariners to bring in a guy in free agency or via trade. Um, and they didn't do that. And I, I like the vote of confidence for Matt Brash. And I think that, you know, you're able to develop him. He's going to be able to be a really successful guy, but he's also someone who has really limited time in that. I don't think he has any AAA experience. So, you know, really kind of, if I talked to someone who said, if he struggles in his next start, which I believe is coming up, um, in the next few days, and I think he'll make it in the last game of the Houston series here. If he struggles against Houston, you probably need to send him down. And then who comes up? I don't know. Maybe Justice Sheffield takes his place. Justice got sent down today to Tacoma. We'll get to that in roster moves, but I, I, I wonder about that. Um, and I was just really hoping that this is a five-man rotation that we can really believe in, but also... Um, I don't know. It's a long season. Things can change. So we'll, we'll see about that. So um, looking over at JP here, I don't want to <laughs> spoil things too much, but this is a guy, at least I'll say this is, you know, someone that was looked at to be the captain of this ball club after Kyle Seeger retired. And at least on the offensive side of the ball has really been leading the way um, in terms of his production. So what did you see from JP that, you know, made it say, hey, I know you've been my guy for what the past few weeks, uh, but continues to, to keep it up. What did you see from consistency? I mean, this guy is just he's doing so well. I think I read yesterday that that was um, he had a his 10th consecutive hit or home run or something like that. Oh, a hit streak. Yeah. hit streak. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. was That's what it was. A 10th consecutive hit streak. And so I think just like I said, just being consistent is such a big thing. And he's been able to do that all season. So just the stats here for the last seven days, he had 24 at bats, five runs, 10 hits, two doubles. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Make note on the, on the notes were off. I did all split instead of the last seven days. Ah. So <laughs> sorry about that. Um, two home runs, two RBI, 10 total or 18 total bases an average of 0.417, an OBP of 0.440, a slugging percentage of 0.750, and a 1.190 on base plus slugging. So really just, yeah, seeing that consistency, seeing him get the hit streak, just he's he's doing well. He's off to a good start. 
Yeah, normally he's not necessarily a guy that hits for power, but I mean, you talk about the home runs in there. I mean, it, you can't complain when someone. Yeah. It's always interesting in baseball because I know that like the prime years of a baseball player, like 26, just funny to think about, right? So, I mean, it's interesting to see how over a career a guy might change in different ways and for positive ways, you know? So JP has been hitting the ball well all season. It's been a guy that's really been a tough out. So that's, I mean, I can't argue with consistency, right? So uh, looking over to injury news, which is again, never the fun part of this. Uh, as I mentioned though, on the 27 starting pitcher, Marco Gonzalez left to the game versus the Marlins with a left wrist contusion after taking a live drive off of the wrist. Now I would say, Oh, we're looking at maybe this, this and that in terms of missing time. He's starting today. So I don't know how that's happening. Wow. I think the exit velocity on that line drive was like 109 miles per hour. So I don't know about you, but I think if I got hit by line drive on this thing, I would, I would, that thing would shatter. I don't know. I don't know about you guys, but I think that would hurt a lot. Uh, But he's going to make a start today. Hasn't, won't miss a start. So we'll see how that goes. Obviously he could just be playing through the pain. Um, But if he comes out today in the first game of the series against Houston and lights it up, I, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on that because it'll be really interesting to see how Marco plays through maybe some pain. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then on the 29th, you know, right shortly after coming off of the injured list, uh, outfielder <laughs> Mitch Hanniger left the game versus the Marlins with a right high ankle sprain. It is deemed a grade two uh, ankle sprain, which is some partially torn, uh, partially partial tear in the ligament. So that's... Uh, not ideal for Mitch. I know no. he's a guy that, you know, has his, it's not like he's necessarily injury prone. It's just kind of these unlucky injuries. Like uh, a few years ago in 2019 with a ruptured uh, ruptured testicle. I mean, how often does that sort of thing, you know, <laughs> come on. Um, and then, you know, with a right ankle sprain right after coming off the injury list is really unfortunate. It really is. And, you know, I, I, I talked about um, – following the homestand about how all the offense that this Mariners team had created without a Mitch Hanniger mm-hmm. mostly. Right. Cause I think they had him for a few first few games of the homestand. Um, it, it's interesting when we, we, this is something we talked about in the off season with the outfield, you've got a log jam of outfielders because Kyle Lewis is on the 10 day IL right now. So he could be coming back soon. Mm-hmm. I would love, I love Kyle Lewis. People know that. Um, but it creates an interesting conundrum. Because we get to the trade deadline, say everybody's healthy. You've got Jared Kalnick, Julio Rodriguez, Mitch Hanniger, Jared Kalnick, uh, and Jesse Winker. That's five outfielders. And you can probably have uh, the three starters, right? And a fourth guy that rotates in as a DH and maybe you know sits on the bench sometimes. Mm-hmm. What do you do with the fifth guy? It's hard to keep five outfielders on your ball club. Um, and when two of them are younger and Rodriguez and Kalnick, and they're going to be pushing to be you know, really big parts of this organization going forward, someone's going to have to move. And so I wonder, you know, I, I don't want to start this now, Mm-mm. but at Is some it? point you have to think about that. Sure. You have to think about it from the business aspect of it. And I really like both guys in terms of Hanniger and Kalnick. I mean, Hanniger and Lewis. So it's, it's something to think about, but I would, I, I, I mean, I guess it's a good problem to have because it, I yeah. guess you'd rather have these options than to not, not have these any. options and want to bring them in. But it's something to think about. Um, heading over to team news, as we look at some roster moves on the 25th, the team reinstated uh, catcher Luis Tawens, 
to Renz from the injured list, optioning infielder Mike Ford to Triple A Tacoma as a corresponding move. They did that post game on the 24th of the month and then designated him for assignment on the 25th. On the 26th, manager Scott Service returned to the dugout, getting back to his managerial duties. Um, also on the 26th, infielder Kevin Padlow, who had previously been designated for assignment, was traded to the San Francisco Giants for cash considerations. On the 27th, right-handed pitcher Paul Sewald is reinstated from the injured list, while right-handed pitcher Penn Murphy returned to AAA Tacoma. On the 28th, Murphy was <laughs> reselected from, from AAA. AAA Tacoma. Um Wyatt Mills, a right-handed pitcher, was recalled from Tacoma as well. Right-handed pitcher Johan Ramirez and catcher Cal Raleigh were optioned to Tacoma. And then Evan White, the infielder, uh, former Gold Glove first baseman, was transferred to the 60-day injured list, which is not a good sign. No. On the 29th, as we mentioned, Mitch Hanniger was activated off of the injured list. Uh, right Relief pitcher Matt Koch uh, was DFA'd, designated for assignment on the 30th of April. Uh, Stuart Fairchild was recalled from AAA Tacoma as the corresponding move to Mitch Hanager, uh being placed on the 10-day IL with that grade 2 right ankle sprain, as we mentioned. Um, also, infielder Mike Ford, who had previously been designated for assignment, was traded to the San Francisco Giants for cash considerations. So there's a trend here. Two infielders that the Mariners DFA'd traded yeah. to the Giants for cash <laughs> considerations. Um, on the 25th, as we looked, I believe I looked at it last week, um, Ty France was named the AL co-player of the week mm -hmm. for his performance last week on the second the team sent relief pitcher justice sheffield and infielder donovan walton down to triple a tacoma as the rosters i believe shrunk from 28 to 26 in major league baseball and then talk about this logan gilbert guy uh <laughs> starting pitcher logan gilbert was named the al pitcher of the month his 0.4 era in april was the lowest single month era in mariners history since Mark Langston's 0 0.5 ERA back in wow. 1988. So Logan making some history would like to keep that up. And surely, I mean, he's making some great cases. Um, I think it's too early to talk about a certain awards, so we won't do that. But <laughs> certainly a really good start to the beginning of the season. Chugging along here through league notes. On the 29th, the first no-hitter in Major League Baseball this season was thrown. A combined no-hitter by the New York Mets was thrown against the Philadelphia Phillies, marking the first no-no of the season. It was a combined no-hitter, so five Mets pitchers, including former Mariners reliever Edwin Diaz, pitched in this game. It is the second in franchise history for the Mets. There are more combined no-no-no-hitters than solo no-hitters. So that's wow. kind of interesting. It's more of a rare feat. Um, also, on the 29th, Trevor Bauer was given a two-year suspension by Major League Baseball. He had kind of been in limbo uh, following an earlier suspension. The Dodgers pitcher had been suspended uh, 324 games for violating Major League Baseball's domestic violence, sexual assault, and child abuse policy, and he will appeal the decision. On the 30th, Whitmore makes history. Kelsey Whitmore started for the Staten Island Ferry Hawks on Sunday, becoming the first woman to play in the Atlantic League. So that is historic. I know we saw it, I think, a few weeks ago. Uh, with I think it was a I think it was Jenny Balkovich, mm -hmm. um, who was the manager for the Yankees affiliate, uh, the Tarpons, down in Tampa Bay. So history continuing to be made. So that's really cool to see, um, and hoping that Kelsey continues that journey of hers yeah. uh, in the Atlantic League with the Ferry Hawks. So looking towards this upcoming week for the Mariners, uh, they sit at a 12 and 10 record, which is second in the AL West currently. Uh, they take on the Astros for a road series uh, for three games 
starting May 2nd at the Astros at 510. So that's later today, May 3rd at the Astros at 510. And then a May 4th start at the Astros at 1110. And then a four game series against the Tampa Bay Rays back at home at T-Mobile Park. Uh, May 5th and 6th both start at 6.40. May 7th is a 6.10 start, and May 8th is a 1.10 start. I believe that's on Mother's Day. That is Mother's so, Day. So, uh, as I mentioned, a rematch against the Rays there as we head over to our Seattle Storm, who wrapped up their preseason. Wrapped up the preseason undefeated. The Storm beat the Phoenix Mercury with a win of 82-78, and our player of the game is Ivina Westbrook, who had 15 points, 2 assists, and 4 rebounds. But more importantly, she had that game ceiling layup and block to win the game for the Storm. So great to see Avina really just stepping into the role. Um, yeah, I know you had your concerns about who might step up here. Did, what do you think? It's it's going to be tough because, you know, we're, we're going to get to it here with the roster being cut down. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of talent on this roster. And again, it's it's why the league needs to expand. I know yes. they talked about it, I think, during 2020 in the bubble. They said, oh, if if 2021 is a success, then we'll talk about expansion. 2021 was a success. And Where it could have been more. Talk? Yeah, it could have been more of a success if the league properly um took advantage of their consumers. And I mean that by there were a lot of fans last year, right, that wanted to buy Chicago Sky's finals MVP, Kalia Copper, wanted to buy her jersey. They couldn't do that unless they did the custom option, I think, in terms of buying the why yeah. you know, stuff like this, stuff like that. You wanna there's better marketing that could have been done, is what I'm saying. Marketing, merchandising, Correct. everything. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it's there's so many talent, talented women that are going to get cut from these rosters in the next few days leading up to the beginning of the regular season that could be playing on another team mm-hmm. easily. Yeah. And so, you know, it is it is frustrating. You know, you, you look at this Mercury game, right? Former point guard uh, Keanu Williams, who we drafted last year out of Stanford, who I interviewed, uh, I think she had like 25 points in this game. For, for Phoenix. Big. Yeah. For Phoenix, you know. And I think she started the game off 0 for 5. So she just kept going, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so it's tough. It's really tough. Uh, I think Westbrook, you know, last week it, I, I liked seeing uh, Reyna Perez, uh, the point guard, uh, I think out of NC State and the Wolfpack there, uh, had some nice play off the bench. Mm-hmm. And I think she did in this game as well. But Westbrook, you know, another a person in that UConn lineage, right, at the guard spot, Maybe looking to you know follow in the certain someone's Cheers. footsteps, right? Uh, fighting for that roster spot. Yeah. So it, I, it it makes a difficult case. And someone commented on this video on on last year's last week's storm video about how the storm they didn't like how the storm played a bunch of their veterans um, in the preseason. Yeah. Okay. And I I mean I I get both sides of it, right? But I I mean I get it. Right, because you want to see what these younger players have and what they can bring to the table, as opposed to giving Stewie however many minutes, sure. right, or Jewel Lloyd however many minutes. And I get that, but I think there is a certain. Po- I, I think what I see it as is you want to see your starters get maybe the first quarter, right? Say give them the first quarter because you want to be able to shake some rust off and get yeah. into game shape, because practice can only simulate a game so much, right? Um, and then I say give the rest of the three quarters to your other players and, and try to see who is really going to be able to help me. But because of how crucial this year is and because of the new faces like a Gabby Williams, I mean, you haven't even seen Gabby Williams, <clears> I don't think, <throat> no. beyond January, uh, getting Jontel Lavender in there who's a veteran. You want to see how these players mesh. So I, I don't know. I, it, I think it's a sticky situation. It's an issue. Um, 
And I also think that expansion plays into that because, you know, you're worried about the roster being made. Ideally, we wouldn't have to worry about that if the league was bigger and these players could get better options, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's a tough, it's a tough situation to deal with, I think. Yeah. Going back to your comment on, um, our comment or in our video with the preseason games, just like you said, it's hard to simulate in game play in practice. So of course they only have two preseason games and why not get them out, try to test that team chemistry and see who's really going to mesh well. Um, moving on to, as you said, some of the waves here that have happened. On April 26th, the team waved forward Lauren Manis. On the 29th, ESPN ranked three Storm players in the top 25 players in the WNBA. At number one was Brianna Stewart. At number six was Joel Lloyd. And at number 16 was Subert. So that's great to see them so high on the list. I mean, I love it. Um, on April 30th, the team waved forward Jenna Giacone and guard Paisley Harding. On May 2nd, the team signs forward Rashonda Gray to a training camp contract. So just a couple roster moves that have. I want to look at Rashonda Gray there. Yeah. Because, you know, we, we talk about the roster mm -hmm. getting cut down, and this is where I'm a little bit confused. Okay. See what I'm coming from here? You, know, you wave Giacone. Harding, Harding, I get, because the guard situation is going to be tough already. You know, Sue Bird, Beyond January, Jewel Lloyd. I mean, just those three alone, let alone yeah. anybody else. Westbrook now making her case, right? So it's, it was going to be tough for Harding, I feel like, already. Uh, we look at Manis. Manis being cut, I understand, because you've got now Gabby Williams, Brianna Stewart, Stephanie Talbot, uh, Kennedy Burke, I think, is in the mix somewhere. Um, but then Rashonda Gray. She, this is a player that, you know, I don't th I think, and she's not played for the same team in back-to-back -back years ever in her career. So she's kind of made it her way around the league. And she hasn't started a game, like been in the starting lineup, you know what I mean, on the starting five since 2019 on a team. So the good point was brought up to me. What's how? Why is this move being made? And how much does it tell you about where Seattle sits with their big situation in terms of Mercedes Russell being injured, mm -hmm. you know, Ezzy Magbegor's development, Alyssa Q. Nain, the draft pick and number 17 overall. Uh, so I'm just curious about that, you know, and I'm wondering, because I've, I've read reports that say, hey, give Rashonda Gray a, a chance, something, something, something. But I'm, I'm wondering if this is this more telling about the Storm's current, how they feel about the players on that roster right now at that position group? Yeah. Or is this, you know, training camp? Because you're already cutting down right now. You have to cut that roster down. So I'm interested to see, you know, you see all these players going out, but then there's the one player coming back in. And so I'm kind of confused. About Would that. you have signed somebody else? Uh, I don't think there's that many options out there. Yeah. So probably not. I'm really interested to see what they've gotten out of Cunane so far, because I know a lot of people said that she was a steal at number 17. Mm -hmm. So I, I was, you know, with that, I'm thinking, hey, she's a surefire spot to get some time before right. Russell comes back. But I, I don't know if this is telling at all about Gray being signed or is this just, hey, we want to see what you've got a little bit before we get, we're going to, I wonder if this is the equivalent of kicking the tires before the season, you know, seeing, you know, you're, you're on this, you're a free agent. We're going to, you know, see what's going on, see how you're doing, see if maybe you've got, we've got a spot for you this year. I'm I just, would see it that way, considering that it's just a training camp contract. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think, I think if it was like a more of an actual contract, then maybe, yeah. So I get that. Yeah. Moving forward here, as we look ahead, the team sits at 2-0, and 
their season home opener is this Friday on May 6th against the Minnesota Lynx. That's a 7 p.m. start time. Um, you can catch Charles there. And they will be away at on May 8th at the Las Vegas Aces, which is also a 7 p.m. game. And now handing it over back to Chuck for some Sounders news. So we head over. I, I really, it's it's hard to grasp how big this is. I can't even fully grasp with my <laughs> brain how big this is. But so over the past week, the uh, Sounders played their leg one matchup against Pumas on the 27th down in Mexico City, drawing that game two to two. Uh, we'll get to the story about how that happened in a second. But player of the game, uh, midfielder Nico Ladero with a 9.1 rating, two goals, four total shots, one key pass, and an 80% passing accuracy. So the Sounders were down 2 nothing late into the game. You know, their star player, Pumas star player, Danino, had a goal, uh, two goals, actually, um, after, you know, there was some concern that he might not be able to go for this game. And it's like, okay, you're down 2 nothing. Mm-hmm. You go and late into the game. This is kind of concerning. Yeah. Right. Because that means you have to go home and score at least two goals, you know, to tie it at up, least. let alone anything yeah. else. And so the Seattle late in the game gets one goal and a penalty. You think, okay, good, solid. You're only down by one now. The referee gave six minutes of extra time, which is a pretty generous amount. Mm-hmm. And so, like in the 96th minute, Seattle draws another penalty and converts it. So you you go back home all tied up, which is insane. It's amazing. So if you win that second leg in any regard, you win. That's the title for you. Um, like I said, this is the highest honor that the an MLS club can win, really. No MLS team has won the CCL final. Um, and I think you get an automatic bid to the Club World Cup, you mm-hmm. know, so across the entire planet. Um, so that's a big deal. But also it was funny because the Kraken played a game during this, right? So I'm watching along and we're heading, both games were kind of ending around the same time. And so I'm, we're going down the elevator from the press bridge down to the uh, press conference. And some guy, I'm watching Nico Ladero had just scored that yeah. penalty. And some guy goes, well, the Sounders lost two to one. I go, no, they didn't. He goes, what? <laughs> I'm like, no, they didn't. They just scored. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's insane, to, you know, just kind of hearing all the other members of the media right before the press conference started talking about this game and how big it is yeah this is huge i mean this there are less than a thousand tickets available so this is almost a sellout and sixty-one thousand was already the most for a ccl game i believe in history so let alone nearing 67 or so that's a that's a ton and this is again this is a seven o'clock game on a wednesday, wednesday in the middle of the week in seattle so this is, it's amazing to see that. And I'm really interested to see how good the crowd is. Uh, but also the game comes first. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, I mean, the crowd can be great all you want, but if you don't win it, it's like, well, dude. And that's why you brought in a guy like Albert Rusnak, who is one of the bigger signings in MLS, uh, free agent signings in MLS history. You know, there are guys that are here to win titles. That's why Jordan Morris came back after his loan. He wants to come and win again. You know, the, they talk about being, there's a word I won't use, the Seattle effing Sounders because they want to win every competition. So, you know, this is huge. There's it, no better way to put it than Marshawn put it. <laughs> yeah, the, the Marshawn commercials they did were pretty pretty, pretty spectacular. So, um, yes, uh, long story short, it's a big effing deal. Um, no injury news, luckily, really, outside of the fact that on the 25th, Leo Chu began training again. So that's 
I mean, it's not bad news. news. It's good news. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of it for the Sounders. Mm-hmm. No league notes, really. No team news is kind of everything is CCL right now. Everything is yeah. CONCACAF Champions League. Um, so I don't really even care to say the MLS record because we're focused on <laughs> CCL right now. So next up, this upcoming week on Wednesday, May 4th uh, versus Pumas, it's a 7 o'clock start. That is the second leg of the CCL final. If Seattle wins at all, one nothing. Uh, two to one anything any, any any win in that situation means that seattle will hold up the, that trophy and be the first mls club to win the Concacaf wow. champions league um and then on may 7th they played uh at fc dallas at a 5 30 start and i would say either if they win or not seattle will probably play a pretty depth heavy uh roster in that set in that game at dallas so. that's great momentum to carry into the second leg though having the game tied and you're oh, going yeah. home I, that's that's what i was thinking as soon as i saw it. i was like this is huge obviously the match is huge mm-hmm. but this is huge for you to go home like you said tied because if you went down into that building you know down to nothing down yeah. one to nothing even it's like okay we've got we've got our, a little chip you know we've got some pressure now it's like, okay, you're playing in front of your home fans, in front of a, basically a packed building, you know, uh, with effectively, like you were saying, kind of momentum on your side, considering you scored the last two mm-hmm. goals of that game. Hey, you know, play your game. So yeah, that is, it was, it was really big for them to get that draw there. Not going to get overly excited, but even if you can't make it to the game, you should definitely watch the game. <laughs> And we're going to segue over here to our Seattle Kraken now, who finished off their inaugural season. So on the 26th, they played the Vancouver Canucks, and that was a loss of 2-5. to five. Our player of the game is Morgan Geeky with one goal, one point, four shots on goal, and one hit on April 27th. On 27th, they played the LA Kings, and that was here at home. That was unfortunately also a loss. Three to five player of the game for Ryan Donato. One goal, one assist, two points, two shots on goal, one hit, one block. On the 29th, they finished their home season against the San Jose Sharks with a win of three to zero. Player of the game was Chris Dreger, 21 to 21, 21 of 21 saves on even strength, three of three on power plays, one point one percent. How would you say that? 100%? I'd say 1.0. 1.0 save percentage. Okay. And on May 1st, they finished their season on the road against the Winnipeg Jets. That was a loss of three to four. Player of the game, Alex Wenberg, one goal, one assist, two points, two shots on goal. Anything you would like to say about our last games here of the season? Well, so that game on the 29th, the last game at home, you know, mm-hmm. it would have been the last game of the regular season, but that game against Winnipeg had been rescheduled. Um, no, I said the 29th was a game, you know, in morning skate the morning of Yanni Gord had said, Hey, we need to come out and really set the tone and really give Seattle something to cheer for. They talked, Gord especially talked a lot about the way that the crowd had been great throughout the season, how they were always there, you know, obviously through you say thick and thin, but there was a lot of thin. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> And just how they wanted to send them out on a good note. And I'd say they did that. You know, you come out, they score two goals immediately, and then they get an empty netter at the end. Hold, you know, get the first shutout at home ever. Chris Jeager has a pretty damn good game. Um, and then they had their player awards after. It was a really fun night. Yeah. And I, the game, I think, press conference and everything ended at like 9.30. Mm-hmm. I was in the building until midnight. Oh, my goodness. They didn't kick me out. Um <laughs> 
I just was taking things in because it was, I mean, to be able to, yeah, fan appreciation (laughs) as well. They had a really cool thing where they did where uh, they had a bunch of fans. They found them randomly and they did a uh, jerseys right off of our back thing where they picked a player, a, a fan for every player that had played that had suited up that night. And they have had them on the ice, and every player gave them the jersey right off of their back oh, and signed awesome. it for them and everything. And they did a, it was it was really cool. Uh, I, um, you know, there's there's some things that obviously you know the product throughout the first year has been sort of a mixed bag um, and consistent. You know, you talked about consistency earlier. This is a team that's been really inconsistent, but uh, I think they really did a good job with the last game. Uh, not only obviously the play on the ice and that three to nothing win, but everything they did off the ice and um, just as a whole, you know, with the, the whole fan appreciation thing, uh, that was a lot of fun, you know. And the only thing I'll say about that loss to the Jets is it increases your lottery odds. So I think you have good odds for the third overall pick, uh, maybe the four. I think it's third or fourth overall pick. And I think you have 10% odds for the number one overall pick. So, I mean, this was a thing that you already knew that you were going to be near the bottom of the league. Yeah. And so I think it was okay to win the Sharks game. But you wanted to win the Jets game if you wanted to kind of stay near that third overall pick. So, sure. I mean, you know, I don't. <laughs> I, I, you've got a lot of picks already in these upcoming drafts, yeah. so I, I think they'll be fine. But um, no, I was happy with the way they finished out the season, and you know, it's more so with that that game on the 29th would have been a good ender. You mm-hmm. know. Yeah, definitely. Had that game not gotten rescheduled, there. Yeah. On to some roster moves here. On the 25th, the team recalls Dennis Chalowski and Joey Decord from AHL's Charlotte Checkers. On the 28th, the team reassigns Kale Fleury and Joey Decord to the AHL's Charlotte Checkers. And do you want to walk us through some of the awards that were handed out? So, yes, we talked about those a little bit on the 29th. So the team had some uh, team awards to give out. So we'll start. We'll go through. I'll let you know what they are. Um, as we continue here. So the Pete Muldoon Award is essentially the Kraken's MVP award as voted on by the Seattle Area Media. And in case you didn't know, that I got to vote on that. Oh, so yeah. Seattle Area Media, <laughs> you know. Um, and this was actually my pick. They had, you know, one through three, you know, who you would pick for that. And this was actually who I voted number one. So Jared awesome. McCann wins the Pete Muldoon Award for the Kraken's MVP award. McCann had a career year scoring 27 goals as well as signing a $25 million five-year deal with Seattle and being the first player to re-sign with the franchise. So Canner there, a career year, like I said, and really said that he wants to be in Seattle, says that they're just getting started. So that's really positive to see. Heading over to the Three Stars of the Year Award, an award honored via calculation of which Kraken player earned the most three-star honors after each home game. So if you were the first star of the night, you get three points. Second star of the night, two points. Third star of the night, one point. Um, going to goaltender Philip Grubauer there. So Gruby, you know, kind of an up and down year for Philip, but kind of really settled in in the second half of the season. So good to see him get noted there. The Guile Fielder Award and the Fan Favorite Award. So I'm mixing in two because they went to the same guy. Okay. The Fan Favorite Award was determined by a fan vote, an award that was, so yeah, fan vote, fan favorite award. <laughs> the, and then the Guile Fielder Award awarded uh, an award that was established to identify the season's player and teammates who best exemplified perseverance, hustle, and dedication named after Guile Fielder, a legendary player that spent some good time here in Seattle. Both of those awards going to Yanni Gord. I mean, That's it amazing. makes total sense. Yanni yeah. Gord is a guy that if you asked me, 
if there was a guy that I would want to put a singular camera on every single game, it would be Yanni Gord. He's a guy that's always flying around. If he gets in a fight, he's got the biggest damn grin on his face. I mean, how off-putting is that? If you're in a fight with somebody and, <laughs> and they've got this like... biggest smile, I'm like, what are you doing, man? Um, and, and God, you know, I know that with Giordano being traded at midseason, um, there was no captain's patch throughout the end of the season. Yeah. I don't know what they plan to do next season, but if there is, if they're going to put someone, the, the captaincy on someone, it would be, to me, it would be Yanni Gord. So Gordo, uh, I think that was, both of those was well-deserved. And this wasn't technically an award, but it was something to note, you know, with the end of the season, the only player to play in every single game for Seattle, the sort of Iron Man award, defenseman Adam Larson played in every single game for Seattle. So kind of a testament there. I mean, with all the injuries, the way that hockey players get banged up, you know, especially with COVID still happening, yeah. did not miss a single game. So <laughs> Lars, uh, him and his V-necks, good for him. Um and did you get you guys got to see the awards being handed to yes, each person yeah. at the game? Last okay. season, yeah. After the game, they did before they did the jerseys off the back thing. They did uh, they give awards to the players, and they did an all team fish toss. Which oh. I don't know if you've been to any of those games, but they have these little uh, stuffed salmon, uh-huh. and they're signed by the players. And it, you know, if you're one of the three stars of the night, you would get to toss one into the into the crowd. How cool! And so they every single player on the roster did that. Um. And I think because they paid for a lot of those salmon in before the season, hoping that the team would play better, but yeah. they had uh, they, they just, had overstock. They're like what the heck? So they're like, yeah, throw them out there. <laughs> um, so that was kind of cool. But yeah, but just just a note here, you know, with the roster moves with Charlotte, as we look at on the second, uh, Dennis Chalaski was reassigned back to AHL Charlotte. Um, the reason that a lot of these players that had come from Charlotte were being sent back to Charlotte is that the checkers are in the AHL playoffs uh, and they got like a first round bye, So they're going to need, the you know, they, we want to bolster yeah. up. Yeah. Decord that we looked at there, the goaltender, he had a really good season in, in Charlotte. So hoping for the best for the checkers who, again, after this season, we won't be affiliate with because Seattle's mm-hmm. uh, AHL affiliate, the Coachella Valley Firebirds will be, um, getting their inaugural season underway next year. But because they didn't have one this year, they had to split with the Florida Panthers and share an AHL team, which is kind of kind of weird. Yeah. But, you know. It worked. Kind of cool. Yeah, it was fine. <laughs> Moving on to some league news here. On the 28th, Florida Panthers clinched the President's Trophy. Florida secures the honor for the first time in franchise history following 58th win of season coupled with average loss. Okay, well, you know, uh, something just happened, so we have to look at oh, it. Oh, God. Um, so we're going to head back to the news? storm here. Not necessarily. Oh. The storm just waved guard Reina Perez and center oh. Alyssa Cunane right now, uh, four, oh four minutes ago. So Gosh. just talking about Cunane. So maybe. And she's not filling that roster spot. <laughs> nope. So I wonder if that, you know, I, I, we just talked about it. I wonder if that was a move that. Uh, they had been looking at with the Rashonda Gray thing, and I was hoping that Perez would make that roster. And it sucks because I met both of those women at a cracking game, and they were both very nice. I need you to stop having favorites because it's not looking good for your favorites on the storm. <laughs> well, not favorites either in, in any of these sports. <laughs> Bobby Wagner's gone. So, yeah, so that was that was fun. I always love when news oh, breaks when goodness. we're recording. <sighs> okay. I guess we have to finish out the NHL. Sad face. <laughs> 
Let's move back to the league news here for the NHL. The Red on the 30th, the Red Wings firehead coach Detroit part, parts ways with Jeff Blashill after seven seasons with just one playoff appearance. And it's not good math. I don't know no, about you. That's not no. good math. I mean, I, I could see it coming with those statistics there. <laughs> um, our Kraken record ended at 27, 4, 49, and 6 with 60 points, and they ended in that eighth spot in the Pacific Division. And looking ahead next week, we'll have a Kraken season in review. Yeah, just to look at some. Obviously, they had their team awards, but would like to look at some other things, you know, uh, best games, out. what stood out, what to look forward to next year. Maybe yeah. even, I think, look at who might be on the roster next year and all that because there's, I believe there's like eight guys whose contracts ended at the end of this year. So okay. we'll definitely look at that for you uh, this upcoming week. So moving over to our OL Reign here, and we, you know, with the Q name and the president, it's not I the most know. fun thing, but we head over to a loss here with the Reign, which is never fun either. Uh, as the Reign began their regular season on the road at the defending champion uh, Washington Spirit um, on May 1st, losing that game 1-2. to two. Player of the game goalkeeper Fallon to his choice. Fallon really keeping the team in it with an 8.2 rating, 10 saves, and 7 diving saves. This was a game that was frustrating. I mean, it's like Washington's the boogeyman uh, for the rain. I mean, I don't think they beat them last year. I think the two games that the rain played the spirit, they lost one to nothing in the summer. And then in the semifinal losing, I think it was the same 10, two to one score. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. Um, you know, losing uh, Vanderyat, uh, Kajan, Rapino were not available for this game. Kajan and uh, Vanderyat were out with COVID protocol. Uh, Kajan posted that she's out of quarantine, so that's a good sign. But Rapino is still kind of building it up. And now I, I, I talk about Megan, and there's something crucial to talk about here. She is like an ace when it comes to penalty kicks. And really early on into this game, the rain got a penalty kick. And I love Rose Lavelle. Don't get me wrong. She's great. I really love that she's on the team. And she scored in this game. But she had a penalty kick early on, and she kind of bombed it. Um, <laughs> so you kind of wonder. Someone, it was a funny tweet. It was like, what if this was all a plot to encourage Megan to come back sooner? I was like, eh, I don't think so. But, <laughs> I don't but think so, work. I mean, you look at, though, you get a chance like that. You get a chance like a penalty kick. You know, you, you have to bury it, especially yeah. against a team like Washington, who has so many dangerous players. Two of them named Ashley, Ashley Hatch and Ashley Sanchez, both scoring in this game. So it, it's frustrating, but also another frustrating thing is that they're going to have to play a second game in Washington in a few days mm-hmm. when a game they should have had at home. But I digress. Um, but I, it's it, you can't really dwell on this. You have to sit on it and look at it because you have a Challenge Cup semifinal on the 4th against Washington in the same building against the same team. This time for a, a chance at you know some some bonus money if you win this game and I think get into the final. It's, it's, there's more motivating factors, I think, than just one regular season game. So f- frustrating to, I to look at. I wondered, because, of course, before the season, Rapino was rehabbing, doing what she had to do to get back to be able to play. But I hoped that we would see her out there. Um, what do you, do you think it's worse than we maybe know? I don't. Yeah, I can't put a, a for surefire answer on that. I just know that they've talked about it and it says, hey, we're not rushing her. We're letting her rehab at her time. And I wonder how what that means, you know, when we might see Megan. Um, 
I I couldn't tell you. I really yeah. don't know. I I wonder, you know, if we start to get into maybe two weeks from now, I'd say maybe I would think about okay. that, you know, but I will definitely have to keep an eye. I know that it's been asked in like every press conference, what's Megan's update? They're like, oh, we're, we're letting her come at her pace. What does that mean? It's not really an update. It's just kind no. of the same. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, you know, heading over to injury news, like I mentioned, May 1st out for the season over, opener, uh, Zani Kajan and Olivia Vanderyat out with COVID, Megan Rapino out with that right calf as she continues to rehab it. So, you know, not too much there. I already talked on that. In team-related news and organizational-related news, on the 28th, it was announced that Multicare, Multicare Health, has partnered with the team to be the back of the jersey sponsor, as you see on your screen now. The Rain announced that Multicare, a nonprofit healthcare organization, um, has been caring for communities in Washington State since the founding of Tacoma's first hospital back in 1882 as the team's top back kit partner, marking their continued commitment to the club. As the team's new kit partner, the Multicure logo will occupy the top back of the Reigns official jerseys, as you see there, um, including all jerseys that are available to consumers from the Reigns online shop and at Lumen Field. So if you buy a jersey, you'll get Multicare on it. Yay! <laughs> Um, in recent years, the Rain and Multicare have come together to work on initiatives to promote the well-being of the Rain fans and the surrounding communities. In 2021, the Rain and Multicare teamed up to offer free COVID vaccinations for anyone 18 and older at Oil Rain matches. The Rain also honored five Multicare healthcare workers through their efforts as Oil Rain legends before the May 31st match against the Washington Spirit last season. So, I mean, some some kit news in a way, some yeah. sponsorship, some uh, partnership news there. Um, and there's some, some uh, not-so-fun stuff in terms of league news on the 26th. Uh, it was announced that Houston Dash suspended their head coach and general manager James Clarkson amid harassment. Uh, a, a harassment investigation in the organization will review its current and historic complaints of discrimination, harassment, and abuse. The club received initial findings from a joint investigation uh, by the NWSL and NWSL Players Association that begun last year. On the 27th, it was announced that Carly Lloyd will be rejoining the New Jersey, New York Gotham as a minority owner six months after retiring from the sport. On April 29th, ex-U.S. Women's National Team player and Washington Husky goalkeeper Hope Solo entered inpatient alcohol treatment, uh, requesting that her Hall of Fame induction gets pushed back yeah. to next year. So... Some some difficult things around the league, uh, and certainly we'll keep an eye, obviously, on the Dash investigation there. Looking ahead, uh, the Rain now set at a zero win, zero draw, one loss record in NWSL play, uh, sitting at six in the league table. Looking ahead, as I mentioned, you know they play the Spirit on the road on May fourth in the Challenge Cup semifinal with a five o'clock p.m. Pacific time start, and then they come back. Well, if they lose that game on the 4th, then they will come home on May 8th versus Racing Louisville with a 3 o'clock start to begin their regular season at home. That's the regular season home opener. But if they win that game against the Spirit on Wednesday, then they get to host the Challenge Cup final here in Seattle on the 11th. Okay. So kind of that game on the 8th is kind of in Tentative, the air. yeah. Yes. So with that being said, we head over to our Seattle Seawolves here who continue to battle for a postseason spot. And Bell, how did that go for them? Not super well. <laughs> um, on May 1st against the at the Austin Go Gronies, they unfortunately took a loss, 6-17. Uh, to 17. We don't have a player of the game. Unimpressive performance, I would 
It, I mean, <laughs> it's tough just because this is a Austin sits at first in the Western Conference. I yeah. think they've only lost two games. Um, We've talked about our weakness with these uh, alcohol name oh teams. Oh, my God. <laughs> these, these drink name teams. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think with the way that you look at the rest of the season, I think you could have afforded one loss, right? And, I mean, playing against the first team in the West, I think that's okay. Okay. But because you didn't get a, bo- a bonus point in the losing effort, kind of hurts you. Um, but you said at six and six, you're fourth in the West at 31 points. You're two points below third, which is a roster spot. I mean, a, a playoff spot, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, it's in grasp still. But I think with that being said, and we've talked about it for weeks now, right? <sighs> I think, you know, we talked about every week is important. Now it's like if you lose one of these, you're done. Yeah, like you have, have to, to win play out. Damn near perfect moving forward. You have to win out. So doesn't get easier for the rugby team. Does not get easier for our Sea Wolves and uh, the MLR Western Conference. I mean, it's if you want to, you know, cut your losses and you know look at it this way, you're playing a lot better than you did the last two years. In the last two years, you were damn near. Well, in 2020, you only played like five games and you lost almost all of them. So and last year, you were really bad. You know, so, I mean, it's a better result and it's a step in the right direction, but it's, it's always frustrating when a team has sort of issues that you, that can be seen and it's not like, oh, we don't know what it is and they're not being fixed. Mm -hmm. So yeah, like you said, you gotta be damn near perfect. And it all starts with Dallas next week. If you get upset by a Dallas team that you blew out Dallas team that's near the bottom of the the table, then there might be some cause for concern. Yeah. Then I think you're done. As Chuck specified here, they looking ahead. We have a May 8th matchup versus the Dallas Jackals here. And that starts at 7 p.m. Pacific time. Um, moving on to our star of the week. Do you mind if I go first? No, I don't mind. Perfect. I went with Julio Rodriguez, who was the MLB stolen base leader. I think that was announced on the 29th. I'm not sure if that still holds but he did go eight for eight on stolen bases. And of course he just had his first home run hitting that bomb of 450 feet. So, I mean, it's got to feel good to finally get that first one. Oh yeah. I mean, it's kind of funny because we talked about the outfielder log jam, right? Uh, And there was some talk, Oh, maybe send Julio back to Tacoma or I mean to Tacoma Mm because he hadn't been there. I mean, to go three for four in that last game, you know, hit your first homer and, you know, be really effective on the base pass. I, I can't complain. I think he's, like I said, he's 21. Yeah. You know, Jared's 22. These guys are going to have growing pains. Like I said, the like average MLB prime starts at like 26. And these guys are, you know, see where these guys are at. So I'm not too concerned about him. Um, and I think it was, uh, yeah, I mean, for Julio to still be effective on the base paths and to get his first is always, getting your first is always good. So, yeah. you know, good for Julio there. And then oh, you're going to hand it over to me. Yep. All right, we're going to look over. at, uh, you know, kind of sort of subject almost to talk about the storm here. But I went, you know, with Ivina Westbrook to really, you know, obviously with that UConn lineage is a big deal with the storm here. But to have not only the game winning layup, um, but the game ceiling block on the other end right after that. I mean, that's that's one way to say, hey, I want a roster spot. I want to be on this group. I want to make my name in this league. So that was that was pretty cool here, and luckily we do have a clip of Yay. that final layup here. So we'll try. It might have been might be both the layup and the block, or one of either. So we yeah. will take a look at that here.
So, you know, um, like I said, before we got to the news about the cuts, you know, it's really tough for any of these players to make their statement. But I think with Westbrook's performance, she may have played herself onto the roster. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, again, would still like to see these additional spots made, but um, that that's a good sticking point, I think. And I'm really interested to see, again, over the next few days, what this final roster looks like. And I think even though there will be two games, by the time that we come back to you, we'll have to look at that finalized roster and see what it looks yeah, like, see for sure. um, who Seattle went with, what decisions were made, and obviously some of them being made to this day. So uh, do you have any sort of uh, final parting things to look at? I do. I just want to say how good um, Julio was about being a good sport with um, getting that ball back, that home run ball, because he did he did receive it from the fans that caught it, and he signed a bat and a ball for them in return. So just a good night for him overall overall yeah it's, bad if you can't tell <laughs> yeah that's for sure uh with that being said you know this is the first week of may so again you know the seahawks the draft got underway and took place so we got like rookie mini camps coming up and otas i think are approaching the Mariners continue their regular season so we'll have that till you know obviously hopefully through october um the storm the roster moves will continue to be made. So, you know, as we've got it here, make sure you look at this link, this uh, at right here to follow us on Instagram, circling Seattle sports, Twitter, circling sports, Facebook, circling Seattle sports, just like the title of the videos. Um, and they're always linked in the description too. So you can always feel free to click there because those accounts will provide you that news to the minute, you yep. know, as fast as we can get, obviously this comes to you every Monday, but those will get it to you much quicker. Um, you know, and what the Sounders CCL final that's coming up. The Kraken that's will have a, a season in review for you. The Rain will continue their regular season, hopefully try to get into the uh, Challenge Cup final. Uh, the Seawolves, you know, every game they probably need to win out. So yeah, every game matters. <laughs> with that being said, thank your producers, directors, as always. Someone, you know, behind the camera doing everything he can to set everything up, you know, obviously celebrating the holiday today. So, you know. Big things going on here. Uh, with that being said, we'll see you in the second week of May. And Until happy then. Cinco de Mayo. Oh, that, <laughs> see? There you go. Why Why else do I need to be have a call to remind me how it is? No, I'm kidding. Uh, until we see you next week, take care of yourself, be well, and do whatever you can to make today a great day. Converge Media produces culturally relevant content for Black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.